Hey everyone, it's Simon here, and on behalf of Maria and I, I want to thank you for checking out our podcast, and I want to encourage you to check out our website. On there we have all of our upcoming events, in-person services, gatherings all over the place, and if you're looking for a church in the MacArthur region, check it out. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, it's all there. We'd love to get to know you. Let's get to the podcast. I'd love to talk about culture wars for the next few weeks. You know, every family has a culture. Every workplace has a culture. Every church community has a culture. Uh, Culture can be very broad. You think about Western culture, Eastern culture. Culture can be very narrow. You think about the culture of a local business or the culture of a, a soccer team or something. But the best definition I have heard of culture and there's lots of definitions out there, but this one is simple and concise. I really like it. It's this, the shared behavior of a group of people. The shared behavior of a group of people. Notice it doesn't say the shared accomplishments of a group of people because results aren't necessarily indicative of good culture. And sometimes groups of people achieve a lot, even with terrible culture. (laughs) So we're not necessarily talking about achievements and results, but what we are talking about is how that group of people, a group of people, a community, an organization, how a group of people goes about things. Shared behavior. And I'm not talking about ethnicity, although your uh, ethnic background has a huge part to play in how you uh, relate and perceive your relationships around you. And, and and there obviously is that cultural ethnic background that we can all have. Like for me, I moved to Australia when I was seven. Okay. And although Canada is not crazy different culturally from Australia, I still had to learn new things about Australian culture. I remember having to embrace cricket and magpies and footy shorts and pavlova. It was all quite strange to me coming from the land of Maple syrup and ice hockey. Now, and when we become Christians, we get to learn. We need to learn the culture of our new spiritual home. Just like I needed to learn the culture of the country that I'd moved to. When you become a Christian, you move into a new spiritual home. And you need to learn the culture of that home. It says in Ephesians 4, verse 21 to 24, Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes, put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. So what do I mean when I say we're in a culture war? Well, just like every family has a culture, workplace has a culture, church community has a culture, every Christian should embody a culture. Uh, And when the kingdom culture that we should embody interacts with other cultures that we shouldn't embody, we have a fight on our hands. Uh, And it's not necessarily a fisticuffs, like throwing swings fight. It's a culture war because culture is a character force. Uh, You know, if culture is the shared behavior of a group of people, in many ways, culture is the culmination of a group's character. You know, you are part of your workplace's culture. You are part of your family's culture. You are part of your church's 
culture. Or another way to put it is, your workplace's culture can easily influence your character. Your family's culture can easily influence your character. Your church's culture can easily influence your character for good or for worse. And it says in Proverbs 13, verse 20, walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with fools and get in trouble. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33 says, don't be fooled by those who say such things for bad company corrupts good characters. So in many ways, Culture is a character force, okay? Culture is also, it's like a tide. You know, you think about the waves that crash up against a cliff face at the beach and they just keep crashing against that cliff or crashing against that cliff. And over time, the rock wears away. Or you think about when you jump into um, a a river or, or somewhere, you know, to, to swim and there's a tide, there's a current there that pushes you back and forth. This is what culture can be like. And some cultures are like rapids. They're, they're, you know, some cultures are very difficult to stand your ground and be Christ-like in. Uh, going with the flow is not always good. Actually, it's very rarely good, to be honest. You know, exa- for example, if you're in a workplace and everyone drinks and swears and speaks rudely and gossips and hates the things of God and dishonors their wives or husbands, uh, you are jumping into that culture. And the question then becomes, are you being conformed to that culture or are you transforming that culture? This is what I'm talking about. Culture Wars. If you're a Christian in the world, you're in a culture war. Uh, and that battle is between kingdom culture and worldly culture. You know, different cultures permit some things, don't permit other things. This is, this is the battle that we find ourselves in. So in this series, it's all about equipping you to know the battle that you're in and how to navigate it. You know, you don't always have to come into a, a workplace that, that might be very anti-Christian and be like, oh, I'm a Christian, you know, bring like a, like a shield with you and start smashing people. No, no, no. Your goal is kingdom culture, Christ-likeness. And if we aren't intentional about our character formation and our actions, our character actions as Christians, guess what? The culture will form it for us. The culture will push us like a tide towards certain ways of behaving because that is the power of culture. Like parents, you play such a huge part in forming the character of your children. And if you don't play an active part in the character formation of your children, guess what? The culture will do it for you, for good or for worse. Uh, You know, I was a high school chaplain for many years the, the difference between a, 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 a fresh year seven student coming into high school, eyes wide open, and then what they're like in year 10 is largely due, with, uh, due to the culture that they in, interact with around them, the, the peer pressure, the, what's permitted, what's not permitted. And guess what? We need to play a part in forming our kids' culture. That's just a bit of a side point. So for this series, it's all about equipping you to know the battle you're in and how to navigate it. And also, this series is about the role we play in the culture around us. Uh, You know, we're a new church, a new church plant, and we have uh, an influence on the shared behavior of our church community. 
We do. Um, our church's culture. It's not just all on Maria and I to, because we're not everybody, right? But we, we, you are one of everyone. So you play a part in our church's culture. We have our values, which we believe influence our culture, absolutely, and how we do things. But uh, listed values are only as valuable as the actions taken towards them. You know, we can't just name and claim our culture because the proof is in how we actually do stuff, that shared behavior. Oh, this is our culture. Like, for example, we could say, oh, our culture is that we treat people with respect. Well, that's fantastic to say that. You could put it on a wall. You can remind yourself of it. But the proof is in whether or not you actually treat people with respect day by day. Okay. This is the kind of culture war we're in. Like Will Smith can say he's all full of love. Oh, I'm, I'm a lover, you know, until you know, he walks up and slaps someone's in the, in the face at the Oscars, right? The proof is in your actions, not just in your words and, and all that kind of stuff. So Matthew 5.13 says this, this is Jesus speaking, you are the salt of the earth, but what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. And in this verse, Jesus is speaking to his disciples and he's saying to them that you are to be distinct. There is to be a distinction between you and the world. And you should look different. You should be different and add difference. He wasn't calling them away from the world. No, he was calling them to be different in amongst the world. Are you different in amongst the world? Are we embodying a kingdom culture? You know, we've seen throughout COVID and the pandemic, I've honestly seen many Christians not act very different to the world at all. In fact, they have just gone with the flow of being frustrated. There hasn't, there's a lot of Christians that haven't embodied a kingdom culture of peace and love and kindness. It's been anger and oh, frustration. Oh, you know, and, and of course, we're human. Of course, we, we have weaknesses. We have, but listen, if we're not careful, we will just follow the tide of culture. We'll follow the tide. We swayed back and forth by wherever the world is heading. We're called to be distinct. We're called to be salt and light in the world. Amen. So culture is the shared behavior of a group of people. Culture is a culmination of a group's character. Culture is a character force. Culture is a tide or an influence. And if you're not intentional about forming your character and standing up in the identity that God has given you, you the, the culture will identify you. And that is not what we're called to be as Christians. So with all that in mind, I want to turn to Romans chapter 12. It's a bit of an introduction this week as we prepare for diving deeper and deeper in the future weeks. So I hope you can come along the journey with us. You will not regret it. So we're going to read from verse 1 and 2 of Romans 12. Just a bit of context. Romans was written by the Apostle Paul to a church in Rome, a church that he had not been to in person yet. And uh, talk about a culture war. Uh, many of the letters of Paul um, were written to churches addressing pastoral and cultural issues and doctrinal issues uh, because living as Christians was new and it was very countercultural. You had the, the Roman culture, you had Jewish culture. It was all kind of battling and, and, and Christians were kind of called to be distinct and they were forming a new kingdom Christian culture, right? And, and a way of going about things. And, and the book of Romans is no different. Paul is addressing some things and a bit of uh, history on uh, this church in Rome. Well, 
where they were, in AD 10, Tiberius expelled all the Jews from Rome. And the options were to leave, to stay and stop being a Jew, or to join the army. And then again in AD 49, okay, so like 40 years later, Claudius also expelled all the Jews out of Rome. So the Jews were kind of being generationally expelled out of Rome and then slowly trickling back over time. And this church likely started with a bunch of Jewish Christians after Pentecost. They would have got saved at Pentecost, traveled to Rome, and started a church uh, somewhere around the AD 30s. So you think about it, AD 10, Jews are kicked out. In the AD 30s, you know, Pentecost happens, Christianity, the gospel starts spreading. And then in AD 49, Jews are expelled out of the area again. And this was written likely in the AD 60s. Okay, so there is very likely a anti-Jewish sentiment in Rome, obviously. And Paul was speaking to a church that was becoming very like Gentile and Roman in, in their thinking and their way of doing things. And he addresses that a lot in his letters. And because so, you, know, you think about Christianity um, kind of was birthed out of, uh, out of Judaism. So when the Jews were expelled out of Rome and coming back, their influence is kind of disappearing and coming back and disappearing and coming. So Paul's addressing that. And the Romans can be split into three kind of phases or sections. Romans 1 to 8 is about how we are justified by faith. And we become Christians by faith. And what God has done for us is received by faith. In Romans 9 to 11, Israel uh, is, uh, Paul is explaining Israel's role in God's plan of salvation. And then in Romans 12 to 16, he gets more into practical Christian living stuff. So at this point, we're at the start of Romans 12. So Paul has laid out all, hey, this is what God has done for us. This is God's plan of salvation. And now this is how you should live it out. And it says this in verse one of Romans 12. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Now let's read it in the English Standard Version, another translation. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Okay, so what is Paul saying here? He starts off with a plea to the Romans saying, and this applies to us today, give all that you are to God. He uses very strong language. He says, give yourself as a living sacrifice. This isn't uh, some promotion of like human sacrifice. No, no, no. But what he is, he's using this strong language to show that, hey, your commitment to God, okay, in light of what he has done for you is not a halfway commitment. Okay. He says, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Uh, Because I think this is a really cool time to focus on these verses because last weekend, was all about, it was Easter weekend, all about 
what God has done for us, the sacrifice of Christ on the cross and his resurrection, what Jesus, he was all in for us. He was, he gave everything he had for us. And it's in the light of all that God has done for us that we should give all that we are for him. Amen. And he concludes verse one by saying, this truly is the way to worship him. Other translations say this is your proper or reasonable act of worship. Do you know what a reasonable response is to God for all he has done to us? It's to give all that we are for him, right? An unreasonable way to live for God is to give part of yourself to him. That's actually insulting to God when you give part of yourself to him in light of what he has done for us. So if you just give yourself to God on Sundays only or when you're desperate for something from him. We've seen that before. There are people who they go through a cycle when they're desperate, they press into the Lord. And then when things are going great, they drift away, you know, and if you want to live in kingdom culture with Christ likeness in amongst all the pressures of the world around you and the tide of culture around you, you must be all in for God. All in for him, not half-baked, not a Sunday Christian, not a when the pastor sees me Christian. Come on, all in for him. No turning back. Verse one, it says, give all that you are to him, for him, all that you are, inside and out. And then in verse two, in the English Standard Version, it says this, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. And I believe there is a connection here. When we, in light of what God has done for us, give all of our lives to him, all of it, not holding anything back, we move from being conformed to being transformed. We do. And if we want to talk about living like Christ and embodying kingdom culture, winning the culture war that is around us, well, it starts with you giving all that you are for God and stepping into the realm of transformation. Like, I can't make you love Jesus. I can't make you give all that you are for him. I can't make you prioritize him and his ways and what God finds important in your life. You know, I can prepare the best sermon I can. I can point you to him. I can pray for you. I can offer you advice. Maria can pray for you, offer you advice, be there for you. We can be there for you as your pastors. But you, in light of all that God has done for you, you need to give all that you are to him. And allow him to transform you. What are you living in light of today? Are you living in light of your past? Are you living in light of your trauma? Are you living in light of your offense? Uh, Paul says, in light of all that he has done for you, give all that you are for him. When we, in light of what God has done for us, give all that we are to him, we move from being conformed to being Transform. Now let's continue. In verse 2, it says this that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Now, this is where we get back to our focus today. You're in a culture war, okay? And between the culture of the world and the culture of the kingdom. And the battle really is for your character, really, your Christ likeness. And in order to, to discern 
and know God's will in amongst all the chaos, in amongst the tide of culture around us, in amongst the onslaught of news and, and, and peer pressure and all this kind of stuff, we must be all in for him. We must be being transformed by him. But then there's a key word there in verse 2 that I think is so important. It, and it comes out in different translations. It says that by testing, you may discern what the will of God is. Uh, other translations say you can test and approve what God's will is. Test and approve. And that verse is, isn't just uh, about renewed thinking just having a renewed mind, which is often what we hear the emphasis is, you know, being renewed in your thinking. It's actually uh, more than that. It's about being transformed in your valuing of things. You know, those words, test and approve, that you would look at what's around you and you would see decisions that are before you and you would be able to test and approve what God's will is because of the transformed value system that God has put in you. Paul is not saying, you know, read through your Bible or go to church enough so that you can spot a good deed when you see it and then work up the discipline to do it over and over and over again. Okay, no, no, no. He is saying it's deeper than that. It's more supernatural than that. He is saying be renewed so deeply in your mind by God that not only can you test and spot good, when you see it, but you will also love good. You would approve it. You would treasure it. And that's what this verse is talking about. You see, to know what kingdom culture is and isn't, and what God's will is and what God's will is not in your life, is not just about renewed thinking. It's about renewed valuing. It's about God transforming what you value. And I live this way for God because I love this way for God. I value living this way. Uh, I don't desire to live the way of the world. I'm not, oh man, I just wish I could go out and get drunk. No, God has transformed me. I value sobriety because drunkenness is a sin. <laughs> it's, I know it sounds so simple when we say it like that, but it becomes so complex in the chaos of a culture war that's around us. You know, God has changed me from the inside out. I don't behave with the crowd or the culture. No, I act by the values by which God has transformed me to love. He's changed me. He's changed me. Living as a Christian is living out of transformation, not out of obligation, not out of people poking you and saying, hey, why are you doing that? Why are you doing that? No, 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 no. It's about allowing the Holy Spirit to transform us, allowing God to transform us in such a way that we value the things of God over the things of the world. This is how we win the culture war around us. Have you given your all to him? Have you allowed him to transform your life? Like, you know, you go into a workplace and you might have a workplace culture around you, whether you work corporate in a corporate workplace or wherever you work. Maybe the culture is to devalue marriage and to speak badly about your wife or your husband or whatever. Listen, when you have allowed God to transform you, you value marriage, right? You're not sitting there going, oh man, I wish I could, you know, do this or do that. No, no, no. It's because you value what God 
values, right? This is the culture war you're in, that God has transformed you in such a way that your valuing of the things of God becomes so high that you don't even entertain the things of the world. Amen? So this is the question I want to start with in this series, and that is, have you given your all to God? Has He transformed you? If you're really struggling and going, man, I just want to do this. I, want, I just want to, you know, I, want, I just want to be worldly. I want to go, you know, listen, that's an issue, okay? That's an indicator there that maybe there are areas in your life. Maybe you haven't surrendered all you are to Him. Maybe you need to allow God to transform you through His Word, through, through good discipleship, friendships around you. Allow Him to transform you. So in summary... Culture is the shared behavior of a group of people. Culture is the combination of a group's character. Culture is a character force. It's a tide. It's an influence. And if we are not intentional about our character formation as individuals, the culture will form it form up for us. And in order to navigate this, we must be transformed. And we are transformed by, first of all, giving all that we are to God in light of what he's given for us. And allow him to transform us so we value what he values. Amen? So we're just, this is my attempt at an introduction here. And we're going to go deeper into some practical steps for this over the coming weeks. And I hope you can join us. And I hope that we can engage in a culture war and come out with kingdom culture, with Christ-likeness in Jesus' name. Let me pray for you. Lord, I thank you for every person and everyone, church. And Lord, we want to be salt and light in the world. We want to be like you. And I ask you today to transform us afresh. Help us value what you value. Lord, help us live transformed, live out of a transformation, a real supernatural renewing in our mind, in our heart. And we ask you to have your way in our lives. We surrender all we are. We don't just hold back parts. Lord, we give everything we are for you. In Jesus' name, amen. And maybe today you have not given all you are to God. Or maybe you've been kind of straddling the line and you need to make a decision today. You know what? No more messing around. No turning back. I want to follow Jesus and give all that I am for him. And the truth is he's given all he is for you because he loves you. He loves you, and it's up to you to respond to that. So if you want to respond, I'm going to pray a prayer, and the words are going to come up on the screen, and I want you to pray this to him as I lead you in it. Come on, let's pray. Dear Jesus, I pray to you today, and I ask you to forgive my sin. I give my heart to you. I believe in you. I believe you came and that you gave your life on the cross for my sin. I believe you rose again. And today, I receive by faith your forgiveness and friendship. I thank you that I will enter heaven one day to be with you forever. Help me on this journey of following you. Amen. Amen. And it is a journey and we want to help you with it. So let us know if you prayed that prayer. Even if you've been part of our church for a while and you've made a fresh commitment, let us know. Send us a text. Head to our website. There's a simple form where you can tick a box saying, I've decided to follow Jesus. Mate, we'd love to get a coffee with you, give you a Bible, help you on this journey. And we're hoping to see you uh, in the coming weeks in person. Uh, We've got park lunch next week. We've got in-person services two weeks in a row, back to back later in the month. Hope you can join us. And I hope you've had an amazing morning with us as we've gathered for Church Online. Have a blessed week.